All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod recording January 17th, 2021. That's a Sunday uh, for those of you at home. And it's Sunday afternoon, early evening, and we've got a bunch of Pacer news uh, since the last time. I recorded an episode starting with the riots at the Capitol. (laughs) No, just teasing. Not going to talk about the riots at the Capitol. Um, Going to pretend that's not happening. Just going to focus on talking about sports. You know, let's not uh, let's not take a a turn to too too negative of a town. Um, But there's been a lot of Pacer news since the last episode and number one headline victor oladipo traded to the houston rockets um in a massive four-team mega deal headlined with james harden moving from the rockets to the brooklyn nets joining kevin durant and kyrie irving making the nets just ridiculous um, offensive talent. And the Nets send Karis LeVert to the Indiana Pacers. Oladipo goes to the Rockets. Uh, The Rockets get a bunch of first round picks. Cleveland Cavaliers get involved. Um, Jarrett Allen, the center from Brooklyn gets traded to Cleveland. Uh, just a mega, mega trade kind of come. I mean, shoot, came out of nowhere. I mean, Vic just gone just like that. And man, it's, uh, I mean, just getting right into it here. I mean, to me, it's like the writing must've been on the wall that the Pacers were not planning to re-sign Victor this off season. So it just makes me wonder, and maybe we'll maybe we'll know someday. Maybe we'll never know. But like, did Vic want to be here? Um, did the Pacers and Vic just like, you know, it seemed like before the season that Vic was on the trading block. I mean, there's certainly a ton of rumors now. Who knows if those were just generated by people wanting to create a narrative, or if they're actually if if the Pacers were actually in negotiations with, with Oladipo. I don't know for sure. Um, but we know that Oladipo was up for an extension, or sorry, not an extension, but a new contract. And and um I don't know, I don't know. I guess it, it must have been the fact I mean there I, I think here's why I think that the writing must have been on the wall for must have been on the wall for a while and that they never intended to sign Vic or to, to, to sign Vic to a new contract because Vic's play's been uh, great. Like, coming off the last year, he's making great, he had made great strides in the first, you know, 10, 11 games of the season. He was averaging 20 points, six rebounds, four assists. His steals were up to uh, over one and a half a game. He was leading the league in charges. I've, I mean, Vic was playing great. Uh, Vic was saying all the right things. I remember... You know, I, I like I would quote Vic saying like, "Look, we gotta take him at his word." You know, he's talking about how good this team could be, um, and so I was, you know, a week ago I was sold on the idea of Vic being the guy, and like, who knows how how good Vic can get by the end of the season? Just the fact that he's improving so much, and maybe he could still be the best player on our team, and um, and how how far could he lead our team? Like, I was still. I was okay with I was okay with Vic and, and and kind of the the I mean the progression that we were on I felt like Vic um, was holding up his end of the bargain this year for sure, um, but then it's just like poof out of nowhere, and it was kind of the, a perfect storm really, um, and it's interesting because I, I remember like I remember before the season there were big question marks around Victor and like what his trade value was and, and you know, what could you get for Victor? And it was like nothing like the, the idea of getting Karis Levert for uh, Victor was 
was out of the question at this point in time uh, before the season. But Vicks played him wet, played himself back into um, he got his respect back to the point where now he can be um, valuable in a trade uh, and valuable enough for the Pacers to get Karis LeVert and uh, what ended up being two second round draft picks in exchange for Victor Oladipo. Um, and so like, I'll get into my thoughts on Karis LeVert, but you know, just back, I mean, to the Oladipo trade itself and like where we were at the season, I mean, the Pacers were humming along, felt like Vic was, I, I talked last in my last episode about Vic and Brogdon having that, that moment, that moment against, uh, I think it was the Pelicans when they won the game in overtime. Um, and then for it to just happen like this, and and that's why I guess the Pacers, I, they must have known that they were gonna they weren't gonna resign Vic or that he didn't want to resign here. And it's already been known that Vic wants to be in Miami. The rumors floated out there again since this trade happened. So, and if that's the case, that Vic really did want, if Vic had no intention of you know staying in Indiana, then I'm I'm definitely glad that this trade happened and. I mean, I really, I could talk myself into this, I, I, I could talk myself into this trade being good in a lot of different ways. Um, but one, if Vic truly didn't want to stay in Indiana, then obviously like that was a great, this has been a great move uh, because he didn't want to be here and we would lose him and not get anything in return. So getting a player uh, with a caliber, with the, with the, with the potential uh, to impact a game like Karis LeVert, in exchange for Oladipo, you're not losing much. You might be gaining something and, you know, you're getting a little slightly younger player with a, a more manageable contract for the next two years, a player who kind of has untapped potential in re, in some regards. Um, but yeah, that's Kyrus LeVert. But back to like Oladipo, um, how did he feel about the trade? I wonder, like, because if he truly was reinvested in this team, then he's got to be feeling kind of betrayed, I would think. Um, but so I'm curious to know how Victor feels about it. Maybe he sent, maybe he feels a sense of relief now, not being at, in the Pacers, or maybe he's just shocked and he just can't believe this happened. And maybe he's pissed. I don't know. I, I would love to know how Victor feels about the trade. Um, I want to know how Domas. Miles, Malcolm, uh, Coach Bjorkren, how do they how do they feel? I have heard Bjorkren just in a little like one minute clip on Pacers.com. Um, you know, he he basically was thanking Victor, uh, telling him it was you know a privilege to coach him while he did, and then at the same time he was he was uh, welcoming uh, Karis and um, you know and, and talked about coaching against Karis in the playoffs last year. When, when Toronto and Brooklyn uh, were matched up. Um, but I, so I just wonder like how, how Bjorken feels, like what would he honestly say? It, it was he like, if was he planning like, man, Vic is a huge part of what we're doing here. Or did he know kind of all along, like, Hey, like Vic is, this is kind of temporary. Uh, we're going to be looking to move Vic. So I don't know. I don't know. If, um, Oh, like I was, I think I was going to, I brought this up, how it was kind of a, uh, so many things were in place where Houston was in, were in a situation where they had to get, they had to get rid of Harden. He was, he was like talking really bad about the team after games and his effort and everything was, he was, it looked really bad on the organization. Um, it was just negative town in Houston. So they were very motivated to, to sell um the asset of James Harden you have Brooklyn who they're kind of off to like a um they're not like taken off they've had some curious losses and they've had some strong wins and they're definitely still a threat but they haven't found their groove their groove yet and Kyrie's gone I guess missing or something that's what I've heard from podcasts and they have the opportunity. They bring in uh, Harden, and now so they have Harden, Durant, and Kyrie Irving, which is a ridiculous, um, ridiculous thing to have. 
offensively as a team to have those three guys on the same team like how do you um how do you ever guard those guys if if those three guys are engaged uh man tough team to beat and fascinating team really but um brooklyn was hungry for another superstar they were they wanted to get Harden, and the pacers apparently have always had their eyes on karis levert i was listening to uh kevin pritchard speak just this past like day i think or two days ago um and he, you know the pacers actually drafted karis in 2016 but then traded him to Brooklyn to get fat to get fat young and uh Bogdanovich but uh now that Karis is is back in Indiana um I don't know it's it's it feels good and uh I don't know I guess back to Vic it's just I'm gonna miss Vic in the sense that he was the spark he was the first season I started watching the Pacers religiously, like where I would watch 90% of the games was the 2017-2018 season. The first year of Vic and Sabonis, and we had Thad Young and Bogey and Darren Collison, Corey Joseph, um, Miles Turner, obviously was still here. Sabonis was a, a key bench player. Um, and that 2017-18 season, Vic was just insane. You know, he 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 was the most improved player of the league. He was uh all, he made an all NBA team. He led the league in steals. He uh took the Pacers who they were supposed to they were projected that season to finish 11th in the Eastern Conference and only get 32 wins. And they ended up finishing 5th in the Eastern Conference with 48 wins. So they Projected for 32, ended up with 48. Took LeBron James and the Cavs to seven in the first round of the playoffs. And it was like, sky's the limit with, with, with Vic. Vic popped onto the scene. And then obviously we know what happened. Um, you know, in that, in that year, like, Vic was bringing the energy. This, it was his city. He was hitting game winners. Um, there was excitement around the Pacers and, and Vic. And then the Pacers made all those crazy offseason moves, bringing in Brogdon, um, bringing in uh, TJ Warren, and, and then Vic goes down. Um, and then it's never been the same since, you know? And so it's... I miss the old days with Vic, the the three T's, the Nate McMillan era, togetherness, uh, trust, toughness. You know, uh, I was just thinking like, I should get that as a tattoo. You know, like that'd be pretty cool, like a three T's tattoo, uh, just across the shoulder blades, and uh, maybe uh, put it in like Comic Sans or something. Um, that'd be a pretty sweet tat. Three T's, and, and then and so like now that Vic's gone, it's like well that's that's the end. That's officially the end of that era, and, and now here we are looking forward uh, with our two young bigs. Um, and and I just I I wish Vic I wish Vic the best. I really do. Like I I enjoyed him as a player. I'm gonna miss him. I enjoyed watching Vic at IU. Um which that's that team, you know, with that loss to Syracuse in the Sweet 16 was a big disappointment. Um, having the number one team going into, into the tournament, number one overall seed, the Indian, Indiana Hoosiers, uh, Victor Oladipo, uh, uh, Cody Zeller, uh, ended up being the numbers two and four pick in the draft. Jordan Halls, Christian Watford. Come on, uh, who else we got? Uh, um, Derek Elston, um, I'm missing somebody big. But it's okay, that's all I got. Um, but good, good, good for, for Vic, it was fun. He was the, he was the guy that, that got me hooked now into the NBA and into following the Pacers and being a, 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 a beat podcaster. 
following the Pacers, podcasting about the Pacers. Um, thank you to Vic. I wish Vic the best. Um, but it's also time to, to look forward and it's an end of an era officially. Vic is no longer our, our superstar. Who is our superstar? Uh, well, we have Domantas Sabonis, we have Malcolm Brogdon, um, we have now Karis LeVert, we have TJ Warren, and then some crazy people out there might even think we, well, we have Miles Turner. So, so all of a sudden you look at this team, so we bring in Karis LeVert, um, get rid of Vic, Bring in Karis LeVert, we get two second round draft picks, and we get a $4.79 million trade exception, which I have no idea what that means. Hopefully what that means is that we have some sort of um, bank account that we can now give to another team and get another player. Somehow I want to acquire another player. Um, I've mentioned before, I think the Pacers have a big weakness. They need a backup center slash big man who can protect the rim and who is a positive on the athletic side of things. Um, and I actually have a, I have a, uh, I have a, I have a 10 minute solution. I spent 10 minutes looking into this player and I have a recommendation, uh, but I will get to that later. I want to talk about Karis LeVert right now and what he now means for the Pacers and this team moving forward, because this is, this is crazy, right? Like Victor was arguably our, our best player. He was our superstar. He was our marquee player. Now, many people probably would say, no, he wasn't, you know, Brogdon was, or Sabonis was, and maybe that's true, but Vic, you know, Vic's all NBA. I mean, Vic's the two-time all-star Vic, you know, I mean, but now he's not here. He's gone. And so all of a sudden we have we have a lot of open minutes. And the Pacers bring in Karis LeVert. And, and it unfortunately, um, Karis LeVert is already out indefinitely because during the trade, players go through physicals. And one of the things that came uh, that that uh, was brought to light during the physical of Karis LeVert was that he has a small mass on his left kidney um, and they don't know what it is. And so for now, LeVert's out indefinitely until they find out what it is. Um, so we shall see. Hopefully it's nothing. And may, I don't know if, so I don't know if that means that they should go in it. Like maybe there's or like maybe the baseline is that surgery is going to be required regardless. And it's just a matter of like, is it cancerous? Is it not cancerous? Is it whatever? I don't know. You know, so maybe that's what's uh, maybe that's the baseline or maybe it's just like, oh, actually, it's just nothing. Nothing needs to happen. We just take another test and it's all good. He's back like he, he's in the next game. Like it could be like that because Karis was playing, you know, leading up to this. It was something this was something that was discovered during the physical. Um, and it's interesting because the Pacers actually, upon hearing this information or learning of this information, they had the, actually had the opportunity to um, back out of the trade and they could have they canceled it. Uh, but they ultimately decided to, to move forward. Um, somehow the, the deal got a little sweeter for them where they were able to pick up another second round pick. They also, I think, got some cash and then that trade exception. Um, uh, but, but if you just put that aside and, and let's just finger, I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, you know, that this thing with Karis LeVert and his kidney is nothing of any, um, worry and we can just move on and he can move on. And it's, it's, it's just a little thing that doesn't matter. Um, and if that's the case and he's playing ball, like immediately on this team, I think the team... I want to believe that the team got better. I definitely don't think that we got worse. And I think that Karis is just kind of going to end up being that final, the last upgrade on the restart, which was the Bjorkman era. And it's like, okay, 
Now it's clearly Brogdon, Sabonis, Karras, Miles, TJ Warren, McConnell, Justin Holiday, Aaron Holiday, Goga, hopefully Goga. Um, this is their team. And with Karras, Karras in the starting lineup as our starting shooting guard, I love the fact that he's got some, he's got a little bit better size than Vic. He's coming in at six foot six. He's kind of that shooting guard, small forward, hybrid type player. Um, Karras's game, he's really, really good at attacking the hoop. So breaking guys down off the dribble, penetrating into the lane, finishing at the hoop. He's also really, I, not a really good as far as percentage wise, but he, as far as a three point threat, Karras is a three point threat for sure. Uh, finishes at the hoop really strong. And he also is looking for others at all times. So he was averaging six assists with the Nets, you know, so this season, six assists. Um, he has had a 51 point game in his career this, this past season, he's already scored 43. So he can get cooking on the offensive end. His size, like I mentioned, being six foot six, his, um, you know, one thing about Karras is his age. He fits this team perfectly coming in at 26. So when you're looking at that Oladipo spot, it's like, all right, well, we just got a little bit younger, but Karras definitely brings with him a risk of injury. He has missed games. Uh, he's missed a lot of games actually in multiple seasons, I think for, for different injuries and, um, you know, not, not anything against him. It's just what it is. It's nothing against him personally, but if he's not on the court, you know, um, it doesn't really matter. And, and so hopefully with Karras, we get some good run from him, consistent playing time. And really that's the case for a lot of our guys because like Brogdon, he's had injuries in the past. Um, so far, our big men have been pretty durable. Sabonis and Turner, they've been uh, logging a lot of games, a lot of minutes. Um, and they're both looking pretty good still. Um, so we'll see. But I love I love Brogdon, or not not Brogdon, but uh, Karis Levert's fit on this team. He's a Midwest guy. You know, he went to Michigan for college. He's from Columbus, Ohio. That's where he grew up. Um, he's had success in the playoffs. So he's had nine games in the playoffs. I found this to be interesting. He's played nine playoff games. And he's averaging in 31 minutes of action. So that's kind of like, that's quite a bit of minutes. Uh, but it, in the playoffs, it's not like um, high quality starter minutes. He's kind of in that, probably that sixth man, fifth man, fourth man role, kind of in between those. So averaging 31 minutes a game in nine, in nine playoff games. His points, 25 rebounds, six assists. Um, 43% from the field, 44% from three-point line, 72% from the free throw line. Um, that's in his nine playoff games. I'll take that. And I think that Karras has the chance is to be a little bit more featured because Brogdon, you know, Brogdon doesn't mind dishing the ball. Um, I think Karras is going to be a really good fit um, with this Pacers team. I watched an interview with Levert when he was with the uh, Nets, who recent, who have recently have been going through some um, just like kind of storyline stuff going on with some of their best players, like Durant's missed some games for maybe COVID-related stuff, and Kyrie's missed some games, and Karis, what, but was but Karis was there, he was playing, and he had a really good game. I think this was coming off of, of a game where he kind of led the team. And I think Durant and Kyrie were both out and the the people or the journalists asking him questions at the end of the game were kind of, um, you know, just kind of baiting him into talking a little bit of shit about Durant or Kyrie just being like, you know, how does it feel out there? Like um, without guys kind of holding the ball or, you know, do you feel like there was more ball movement? And so it's like kind of opened the door for Karis to answer it. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, he could say something that seemed like it was a diss on Durant and Kyrie, but he, I was amazed at how well he framed it as in like, oh, it doesn't have anything. He's like, it doesn't have anything to do with Durant or Kyrie not being around. It's just our team moving the ball well. 
you know, we move the ball well when they're around as well. Um, and just like he only talked positive about his teammates, which I thought was good. There was a question about, cause he's rocking the cornrows right now. And it was like, um, you know, what do you feel like, like what, what makes you, uh, or what do you like about, or do you, something about your na- nickname is cornrow Karis. And he was just like, well, you know, I do how I feel. I do my hair however I want. And I don't really think too much about it. And he just seems like a down to earth dude who wants to get better. He's been kind of tucked away there in Brooklyn. Um, just not quite getting maybe the minutes that he deserves uh, just because he has so much talent in front of him. But now with the Pacers, like he's, he's going to be, he's going to be in a position where he can shine. I mean, it, it wouldn't be a shock to me if a year from now, Karis LeVert is the leading uh, point scorer on the Pacers. Um, I think he has a chance to, to play a huge role on this team and be a, to be a huge upgrade. Well, maybe not huge, but definitely an upgrade athletically, I, I feel, um, over Victor. Got a little bit younger, um, but obviously we have to see what happens now with this um, little thing on his kidney, and hopefully that's nothing. Um, but I think just looking forward, you know, with the starting lineup of Brogdon, Karis LeVert, um, TJ Warren, which also moving off of Victor now makes it easier to, to sign TJ Warren to a, a new contract, which he's going to be up for, uh, or he'll be up for an extension, which I think we could do. Um, so anyways, I love this starting lineup. I think I love this starting lineup. I need to think about it a little bit more, but with, uh, Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, TJ Warren, Karis LeVert, and Malcolm Brogdon being your starting five. That's that's pretty solid. That's a pretty solid starting five. Those are all guys uh, from the ages of 24 to 28. All guys under contract for this year, next year, the following year. Um, I, this feels like the window for the Pacers to to grab it. You know what I mean? And uh, we shall see. I, I just I really like the idea of having Karis LeVert on this team. I think he's going to fit great. Like I like I love the ability for Karis to just get to the hoop and finish over guys. And then also he looks to pass. Averaging six assists a game is a big deal. Um, I think it's going to be great. Hopefully this thing on his hopefully this thing on his kidneys is nothing, and he's and a week from now we've seen him play a game or two. Um, so it's it's uh, it's so long now for Vic. It was nice to know you, brother. It was fun. We had great times. The 2017-2018 season was one um, of great value to me. I love that season and that team. Um, and now we need. Now it's time for the for the new era. And what can Sabonis bring us? What can Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner, Karis LeVert, and TJ Warren, Holiday Brothers, McDermott? You know, this team is deep. This 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 coaching staff is young and it, they feel innovative and there's just a lot of good shit going on right now with our team and it feels great um so so long victor and welcome karis and uh it was an it was a it was a weird ending with vic you know but sometimes that's just how it goes and we just wish we wish victor the best um cheers so where are the pacers at today well they're eight and four they're half a game behind boston and milwaukee for first in the east so they're sitting in third place um now that we're like a month we're like uh i'd say probably 11 to 14 games into the season right now the Eastern Conference is starting to stabilize out a little bit more where the 
the good teams are, have kind of retaken their position in the playoffs. And so the Celtics, the Bucks, Pacers are a third, 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, that's the top five. Um, the surprise this year so far are, off to the start has been Miami, who's down like 11th or 12th, being at four and seven. Um, Pacers have looked good. This, this this road trip that they've been on, it was uh, Sacramento, which they ended up losing to. I, this was one, the one game I didn't watch, and I saw the score was pretty ridiculous, like 127 to 124 or something like that. It, pretty high-scoring game, but the Pacers lost the game. Then they went to Golden State, and they had a really good game against Golden State. Edmund, Edmund Sumner um, comes in. And, and kind of locks down Curry for a while. Um, uh, let's see. We had the, yeah, the win against Golden State. We had the win against Portland. And then the game against the Suns, which was supposed to be Saturday night, was postponed uh, because the Suns are dealing with COVID. And the Clippers are the game that is going on uh, tonight. Um, but yeah, with the Eastern Conference stabiliz stabilizing out, and the Pacers are winning games though, and they're looking good. Um, right now, with now Victor's not on the team and Levert is not on the team, there goes uh, you know Victor's 17 field goals and 33 minutes of, of action, and that needs to go to somebody. And so it's time to step up right now for Aaron Holiday or Edmund Sumner, I think one, one or the other. Um, we'll see, I think both of, the, both of those guys have, have shown uh, some good stuff this past week. Um, like I really did appreciate um, Edmund Sumner's defense in the game against Golden State running down Curry. Uh, I know that we, it was, it was cool to see Bjorkman call out the box and one again, which was the defense that he called uh, with Toronto and in the finals against the Warriors, the box and one on Curry. And he did it in this regular season game and it worked. And Sumner was the, was the one running around with Curry. Um, Sumner has moments when he's out there and you're just like, dude, nobody really moves like Sumner moves. He just has a, some sort of ability to just it seemed like he's in like one and a half speed and everybody else is in one speed. He just, uh, he floats down the court. He soars when he jumps. He has a sense of um, just his movement on the court is um, very, very athletic and, and fluid. It's a joy to watch Sumner uh, spring for rebounds, offensive rebounds, just kind of coming out of nowhere and grabbing it. Um, I like, I, I hope the, the, the upside of Sumner being so athletic, is just like anything else he brings you as a bonus. Um, and I like those minutes on the, on the team. Um, obviously I'm ready for like, I'm ready for Levert to play as soon as possible. But for now, a combination of Aaron Holiday and Sumner in those minutes. And then also, you know, I want to see Brogdon take a little bit more. I want to see Sabonis and Turner take a little bit more. And guys like McDermott and Justin Holiday step up a little bit more. I wouldn't mind Justin Holiday starting to act like a 20-point scorer in the absence of Vic. I mean, you know, and same thing with McDermott. Go out there every night like you're going to get 20 because we might need it. Um, so the Pacers have just been playing really good. And this past, you know, uh, this past road trip, well, I guess not, there's one more game here tonight against the Clippers. And then, uh, and, and the Pacers are good, like third in the Eastern Conference at eight and four. Uh, so I wanna highlight a few players, uh, just as how, how the Pacers have been lately. And the first one I gotta talk about is Miles Turner because he is playing um, with a fire that he's brought every single game. Like, Miles is locked in to the best of his ability. And he's playing with the chip on his shoulder. You can just tell. I remember, um, you know, he's having all these crazy get these games. Like, so he's leading the league in blocks by far. And just 
dominating the paint. He's single-handedly winning the Pacers games on the defensive end. His he's getting stronger uh, down in the paint, and and um, his rebound numbers aren't necessarily they're they're better than they were last year. But they're not great. They're not a huge improvement. He's at seven rebounds a game, um, but his blocks and his steals are huge. He's a uh, he's got five point seven stocks, which is that's when you add the blocks and steals numbers. You compare that to Anthony Davis at three point one. Uh, that just shows you what kind of defensive impact Turner's having so far this year. We're we're only 12 games in, but I mean, 4.2 blocks, one and a half steals, 12 points, seven rebounds. Um, he talks, I, I caught him at the end of one, one game. And so, I think the question was somewhere around the uh, lines of like, you know, about the recognition and attention that Miles is starting to get around the league. And Miles was basically like, it's not enough. Uh, I'm like, I feel like what I'm doing isn't getting enough respect. Um, I will, I have lofty goals of being defensive player of the year and making an all defensive team. Um, but he's, you know, he has a, in some regards, his, his numbers are certainly backing that up. Um, I don't necessarily think he should be quite as upset about where his name is in the conversation, at least from my perspective, but, you know, whatever it means, whatever it takes for miles, you know, whatever fires him up. And, and that's not necessarily why he's doing it to, to, to shut other people up. Hopefully that's not why he's trying to be the best player. Like, I think if he's motivated by that, that's not necessarily good, but um, miles is having a great year regardless of, and, and even though there's, he seems to, he, he really does. I mean, he seems to be like, he wants something this year. He, he, he wants some recognition. Um, I think he, I think he really wants to be an all-star. I think, you know, he said, he openly says he sacrifices on the offensive end. Um, uh, you know, he said, you know, like it, it they, I, I, there was one interview where I think he said, you know, Sabonis gets the rebounds, I get the blocks. Um, and then he obviously thinks that he sacrifices on the offensive end, which it's like, well, I mean, you're also the least skilled of the five. Um, but he's showing more this year. Miles is definitely showing more, and, and he's he's been a joy this whole season. I just will hope that that keeps up. Turner's having a great – he's having the best season that I've witnessed him, so that would be like the last three or four. Um, another guy who's been playing out of his mind this year, in my opinion, is Doug McDermott. Um, the confidence that McDermott's been playing with, he's been playing with some toughness as far as he's getting, he's making contact out there um, uh, while he's playing. He's hitting guys and he's averaging 3.6 rebounds, which is his career high and um, getting us 12 points a game which is the most that he has since he's been a pacer. Uh, he's shooting 48% from the field, only 35% from three and 79% from the free throw line. So I think that that's only going to go up because McDermott's such a good shooter. He's going to get that. He's going to get that up. We're only talking about 12 games. This is a small sample size. Um, I think he can definitely get, you know, close, closer, a little closer to 40% on the three point line, which will probably bump his, bump his points per game up to 13 or 14. Um, this is the last year of his contract. He's up for something new. Uh, you know, he was, he's currently making seven mil. Uh, McDermott's been nice and he makes me, um, you know, I, I need to, I need to do some more thinking about what, what I'd want to do with McDermott next year and, and how the Pacers team looks, you know, the big thing for me, and actually this is really what it's going to come down to because I'm, I, I won't make my mind up on McDermott until we see it in the playoffs um, because if McDermott can can come in and make an impact on in the playoffs this this year, then I'm on board for re-signing him. But if he comes in and shoots, you know, one of nine from three, and his minutes go from twenty to twelve to four to zero, you know, in in the playoffs, and he's unplayable like he's been the past two years, then. Good riddance. I, I don't want to, I don't think it's time to re-sign him no matter. Well, I take that back. <laughs>
because there is value in having good regular season players. And, um, but I would not want to, so I think McDermott's playing himself into maybe a bigger contract than what he currently has. And I, I wouldn't want to give that to him if I were the Pacers, unless he proves that he can uh, do that in the playoffs being this year. So to me, that's what I would be looking for. But McDermott's been a treat, and I think he's only going to get better. He just comes out slinging. He's just he's just firing. Um, and finally, he's starting to use his body a little bit down there and, and using his size to his advantage and getting some rebounds. Um, I think he's putting a little bit better defensive pressure on other teams, too. Um, so speaking of uh, defensive pressure, another guy I got to highlight that's just playing his ass off is TJ McConnell. He's only getting 17 minutes a game, but the dude is seventh in the NBA in steals. Um, he's 43rd in the NBA in assists, which doesn't sound that impressive. But I think when you like move that out to like 30 per 30, like if he were to play more minutes, you know, he'd be way up there in, in assists as well. But just he's averaging 1.7 steals in 17 minutes a game. TJ McConnell is it's amazing to me how every game he can steal an inbound pass. Um and he's just, he is, he's so cool to have on our team. I love TJ McConnell. He just seems like the, the perfect teammate. I think he's going to be the perfect teammate, even if he ultimately isn't a major contributor to our team, because that means that other guys have, have risen above him. Um, but he, I think he always has a spot on, on this team because he comes in and he brings the energy. He can play make. Uh, McConnell's just been awesome, and I'm just I'm pumped to have him on on our team. Another guy who's been great this year is Justin Holiday. I think McDermott, McConnell, and Holiday kind of are this like unit, and there are veterans, there are bench guys, and they could be a weapon uh, that complements our our starting five in the postseason. And that makes this Pacers team able to use our depth uh, to our advantage and beat teams that have more top talent than us. And I think it's like that McDermott, McConnell, Holiday. How good can these role players elevate themselves to complement our starters, who are those all-star, borderline all-star level players? Five of them, though. Um, we shall see. I think it's interesting. Uh, but Justin Holiday's averaging 11 points a game. Just like McDermott, he's getting us 3.6 rebounds. The difference is Holiday's knocking down his three-point shot. He's shooting 45%. Um, Holiday's been starting with uh, Warren being out and Victor not being in. And he's been great. I think Justin's having his best season. We've got him you know, on contract now for the next two seasons at a reasonable rate. So that just... That's great. Um, <laughs> that's great. Uh, Justin Holiday, right? And then um, last, well, maybe not even last, actually, Brogdon and Sabonis. It goes without being said. I mean, if you're following the Pacers at all, you're aware that these guys are having all-star seasons. Um, they're both putting up ridiculous numbers. I mean, Brogdon's probably... Uh, I'm just going to throw a dart here and say he's probably 23 points a game, seven assists, six rebounds. Um, Sabonis is probably like 22 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists. Uh, these guys are just crushing it this year. And um, now with Victor gone, it's like it's their team. It's it's Brogdon and Sabonis. Then it goes Turner. And for right now, Karras falls into that. And I think TJ Warren falls into that category as that second tier. And I think Karras has the potential to move above that and, 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 and join or take over the, the, the lead. Um, but to me, it's kind of a two-headed monster right now with Brogdon and Sabonis. And then you got your three sidekicks, Warren, Turner, and Karras LeVert. Um, The other thing that I, we, we're going to probably find out here pretty soon is what's going on with Goga Bataze. Goga hasn't played a single game yet this year. 
no preseason, no regular season. Um, it sounds like he could play in the next week. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a very big deal because one, who is, who is Gogo? What is Gogo capable of? I'm still holding out hope that Gogo can come back and make an impact on the games, prove that he can play in the playoffs and answer the question of where do the Pacers find rim protection without Miles Turner? That's hopefully where we can say, well, we have Goga. Goga Batazde comes in, protects the rim. Um, and that to me would be a pretty kind of, uh, you know, in baseball terminology, maybe like a double for Goga's career would just be to be a solid role player, gives you 20 to 24 minutes a game, backing up the center. Um, and I'd be fine with that. But what we need to find out is, can Goga be that? I think it's time to start looking at that being the, the, the goal rather than him being an all-star. Um, and then looking at that, what was I going to say? Or is Goga a bust? And if Goga's a bust, we have a real problem because once you get past Miles Turner and then Domas Sabonis, our next best rim protector, uh, big man, low post enforcer, um, goes down to Jakar Sampson. Um, Keelan Martin, uh, Doug McDermott, <laughs> you know, like it, we have no size, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not missing anybody. I mean, we need Goga. And so Goga needs to step in and fill this. If not, then the Pacers need to find somebody else. And so I'm going to speak this into existence now for the Pacers. Um, my claim to fame in my this being my 61st episode of this Pacers podcast, my claim to fame so far has been the Malcolm Brogdon four-year, $64 million um, contract was the title of the episode. And that was when I identified Malcolm Brogdon as being a good backcourt partner for Victor Oladipo. And I wanted the Pacers to upgrade Darren Collison uh, at the point guard position and go get Malcolm Brogdon. I love the fact that Brogdon at the time with the Bucks was uh, having a 50-40-90 season. And so I love the efficiency of Brogdon. I love the size of Brogdon being six foot five, having a six foot 10 wingspan, really being able to get after guys on the defensive end and pressure the ball. And just the character of Brogdon also was appealing to me. And so that was my claim to fame. The Pacers, it actually happened. The Pacers signed Brogdon. Uh, by the time they were able to sign Brogdon, he was, they had to get him for four years, 85 million. So he had, he had, his value had gone up and I just was bullshitting when I made up the 64. I was just thinking, you know, 16 million a year for Brogdon felt about right at that time. Um, but so this is what I'm going to do now. This is on a much minor scale, but I, I wonder if the Pacers could look at this guy out there. He's 27 year old, six foot 10, lob catching rim protector by the name of Norvell Pell. Uh, he's played one season in the NBA so far, last year with the 76ers. He played in 24 games, and he had a block rate of 4.8 blocks for every 36 minutes of play. Granted, he, didn't, he only played like nine minutes a game in those 24 and only averaged 1.3 blocks. But when you, when you look at his per 36, so if he were out there for 36 minutes, he, his rate last year was 4.8 blocks. You could compare that to Miles Turner. This season is at 4.7. And, and it feels like Turner is going to block shot every other possession this year. So this is a guy who could come in with size at six foot 10, 
not going to look be looking to shoot the three, not going to be looking to put the ball on the floor and create any offense. His sole purpose is going to just be to protect the paint, play great defense, be our Mitchell Robertson from the Knicks um, for the second unit. And if Turner gets in foul trouble, be able to step in and play against good competition as well. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe he's not cut out for that or not. It's not like I I came across Norvell because of I was looking at the, the current free agents. And I don't know, with this Turner, with this uh trade with Oladipo and Karis Levert, the Pacers got this trade exception, which I don't know what that means, but it's I just think that they have I have they have a need for that backup big man role if Goga's not gonna play, if and maybe Goga will come in, hopefully, and fill this void, and then it's conversation over. Um, but if not, let's speak into existence the name Norvell Pell. Low risk. Give him a chance. I think it could it could be a huge spark for this Pacers team. Um, this Pacers team that's been playing so awesome this year, eight and four, third place in the Eastern Conference been a really fun season it's crazy victor's no longer with the team um it's brogdon and sabonis it's turner and warren it's karis levert as soon as we get to see him um but for now it's you know we're gonna see aaron holiday we're gonna see edmund edmund sumner and justin holiday um doug mcdermott we're gonna see hopefully the pacers keep winning uh they got a tough one tonight against the clippers then they've got a couple days off back home on Wednesday against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka Doncic. Then Friday, they've got the Magic. And then Sunday, Monday, back-to-back against the Toronto Raptors, who are 4-8 and eight to start the season. And I just want to go back to the Bjorkren being the star of Toronto, and now that star is in Indiana, uh, because something's going on in Toronto We'll see if they can turn it around, but they're off to a, a rough start here at four and eight. Um, but when you look at the Pacers' schedule, I think you gotta you gotta envision us getting both of those games against the Raptors. Actually, I would say one of those games against the Raptors. But and then when you combine the the game against the Magic, I'd say two. So I'd say we should get two of those three: Magic, Raptors, Raptors. And then we've got tonight against the Clippers, and then Wednesday against Dallas. I'd say if we could get one of those, that'd be great. So. Three of the next five would be a success in my eyes to our Indiana Pacers. As they're off to third place in the Eastern Conference, um, we say goodbye to Victor. It's been feathery. Um, we won't have to uh, say feathery anymore. I never did, never, I never did like feathery. Um, but if there was anybody who could pull off feathery, it was definitely Victor Oladipo. Um, he's a smooth operator, fellas. Um, that's all. We shall see what will happen with our Pacers. Uh, thanks for checking out the podcast. We're moving on, moving on up, up to third place. And this team is, this team is looking good. Okay. Thanks, everybody, for checking out the pod. Peace.